welcome back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. Almighty baller, Brian, the Nets are back. You know what I discovered, Mike? What's that? I think I think it's possible that though the Nets are back more than ever, it might be because the Nets are back drop is cursed. You know? Have you noticed? We haven't had it wow, on in that's months. Really good point. It's it's often used to antagonize the fact that the Nets oh, aren't back. No. Did I just blow your mind, Doug? Well, I'm worried because I love that drop so much, and we haven't been able to play it. I'm actually I Googled slash YouTubed uh, a video to try to figure out a way that we could play the drops as we're doing this like Google Hangout sort of uh, podcast that we do. Now I can't use it. Right, that it, it cannot be used anymore. That this, this curse is. Is on this team, or has I guess been lifted because we don't use the nuts or backdrop. Anymore. We want to hear from you, the listeners. At BK Glue Guys at, on Twitter. No, we don't. don't. We don't want to no. hear from you. Please. <laughs> no, come on. Please, we really, Brian. We really do. Um, Actually, this whole show is going to be about you guys because all your emails came in and we love them all. We got a boatload. We got a boatload. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, was an important revelation. It is an important revelation. I mean, we keep talking about this over and over again. It is still insane to me. Because, obviously, so we're recording this on a Tuesday. The Nets had a pretty darn big win against the Celtics. It got a little hairy there uh, by the end. But you'll see sort of the dialogue around the, the that game from Celtics fans was that, oh, Kyrie wasn't playing. Well, then the Nets can easily tweet out, oh, yeah, but we didn't have Crab, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Karis LeVert, John and Musa. Um, did, did they tweet is, that out? No, but they could have. They could have. They could have rebutted any sort of Celtics fan discussion, because the Nets are among the most devastated injury teams in the league. I think that's something that actually I'm going to have to dig into statistically, just in terms of number of minutes sucked away by injuries mm. from multiple players. Um, and the Nets still won almost in dominating fashion uh, until they got really weird. We're truly the John McClains of the. Of the NBA, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we've got glass <laughs> in our feet and we're trudging along, you know, bullet in our shoulder and, uh, and taking down on terrorists. The, you know? On the edge of divorce? Was McLean divorced by the Perilously close he... to divorce, but then uh, Carl Winslow shoots the last terrorist and preserves their relationship forever. I actually recently <laughs> rewatched this movie, it's why it's on the forefront of my mind, rewatched it on a plane, uh, on the plane I went to California, I thought it was very fitting around Christmas time. Because, you know, Ooh. that's the whole thing. The New York, I'm, a, I'm sort of a New York cop, you know, um, underneath <laughs> underneath this soft facade. Uh, no, but and one of the one of the three lines that I totally forgot the subplot of like Carl Winslow's character is like they're on the radio and he's like, um, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't I don't use my gun anymore. I'm a paper pusher because I like shot a kid once or whatever. Yeah. He's like, ah, like, sorry about that. And then at the end, he like shoots the terrorist. He's like, got my gun, <laughs> got my gun back, which is just <laughs> such a funny. He's like. Found my will to kill people again. Like, yeah, it's are... a celebrated moment. It's like, <laughs> yeah. thank God that cop knows how to he shoot looks... someone and kill someone again. <laughs> he looks at his gun like it's like, ah, like I, I missed you. It's like a, like a sweet part. It's like a sweet <laughs> moment for him. Um, anyway. and, and also, uh, Bruce Willis and the dad from, what's his name again? Winslow? Uh, uh, family Matters. But they, they had never seen each other in person, but they like immediately knew that they were each other. Of course, like, you would know who John McClane is because he's the guy with blood all over his body. But he knew who Officer Winslow was, like, immediately. Yeah. He just looked at him and was like, that's the guy I've been communicating with via 
whatever walkie-talkie the entire time. But I know him. I just we have we are now linked. I don't even need to see him to know him. So I'm on Family Matters. That's how I know him. Anyways, you know you know what I also know, Brian. Mm. I know that the Nets are back. Yeah. Um, so, big win against the Celtics. Yeah. First, let me just lay this out. Massive. Here's my mea culpa to the Brooklyn block. Okay, I've said some maybe not disparaging, <laughs> but I've been critical in the past. And mm-hmm. it's due to, you know, I have I'm I'm I have an annoying aversion to like unrelenting positivity. You know, that's just a thing. I think that 360 <laughs> degrees, you know, fondness for everything is um, you know, and I I don't like this about myself, but it's it's something that I have yeah, a strong aversion to. But they were peak peak Brooklyn block last night and they are in their pointed trolling of Kyrie Irving, which I um, or of the Celtics via the Kyrie's leaving chant. It was, and it was also at the perfect time because, you know, it was, the lead was just big enough. It was like 27 at that point. And, uh, like, you know, we're, we're the kind of team that'll, that'll cough that up if it's 21, you know, we would have, um, but they chose their spots nicely. Um, and I'm really, I'm really impressed. I'm really pleased with the direction, the antagonistic direction that they're headed in. And I want, I want you back. If you'll take me back, I want you back because if you can continue to do that stuff, I want in. Well, and that's the edge that that you most want, right? From from a, a rabid fan base section in the yeah. state. You don't necessarily. I mean, yeah, you want like Brooklyn chance. That's fine. You know, they can do that over the loudspeaker. What you want is the creativity of Kyrie's leaving. You want sort of, yeah. as you said, the antagonistic nature of Kyrie's leaving. You want to, but you don't want to be over the line, right? You don't want to be. You know, there's many things that could be said about many different players in the league that would be over the line. No, we don't want that. We want. Uh, elevated sort of discussion. I don't want to compare it to the Duke Cameron crazies because now as a Q's fan in the ACC, I hate the Cameron crazies. So I don't want any of that, but sort of that vibe though, you know, you want the, you know, the, the sort <laughs> did of, you, well, did you think I was trying to call for them to be like, just to, to say like, like offensive things, <laughs> like chant, chant offensive things. <laughs> be losers like chant, Cameron crazies. Just go on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. No, no. I know you weren't calling for, but like you, there's a line, right? Like there's like a, there's this. So what the Nets have done is they've created a sort of um, student section like environment within Barclays. And there are multiple ways of which this, this group can organize. This was the best form of it. The, the Kyrie's leaving chant. It could be when the Warriors aren't going to come back to Barclays, but it would be like Kevin Durant is coming here because you know, I think that's going to happen now. I'm pretty sure of it. I'm yeah. almost 100% sure, Brian. Why, why is um, that, Mike? Go on. Where did you, <laughs> you get that info? Um, from Spencer Dinwiddie. I did. I got that info from Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Breaking news. No, so he spoke to the Daily News, Stefan Bondi. Pretty pretty funny stuff. You guys should check it out if you have a sec. Um, Bondi was asking, I, I think Dinwiddie specifically about Kevin Durant coming. This is what Dinwiddie said. Why would I actively recruit arguably the best player in the world to come to our team when he would fill the exact spot that we need and take us potentially from being just an 8th, 7th seed or so to an Eastern Conference championship team? Oh, please write this down. Why would I do that? Then I'll get in trouble for tampering? Question mm. mark. Um, love this tact from Dinwiddie. One, just, yes, avoiding the tampering by by leaving it as, I guess, rhetorical question would be the way to classify this or a sort of um, a, a coy way of which to lure Kevin Durant a sort of way to layer in the argument for why he'd be perfect for the Nets that there is a hole on this team that Kevin Durant would fill so nicely 
and that this team has a great base, which is what Dinwiddie is saying, which he does say later on in the sort of the article or the time he spent with Stefan Bondi. Um, it is masterful, masterful tampering from Spencer Dinwiddie. I think we almost need a new segment on the show, Best Tamper of the Week, because tampering is now rampant in the NBA. But this is really artful stuff, really beautiful work. Mm. Nice. Um, is Kevin Durant coming to the Nets? Question. Uh, oh, question to me? Yeah. Um, well, golly, <laughs> the you know even Stephen A. Smith went on a, uh, a pretty robust tirade of his own about the – the, the idea, I mean, going into the season, everyone was all, you know, all in on talking about how the Kevin Durant to the Knicks thing was looking like, like a layup. I don't know. Obviously, obviously it's really like lame conjecture and it's something that people do when they have podcasts and they need to fill up a little bit of time. There we and go. So I'm not going to do that, but here's the thing. Uh, just kidding. I am. I'm going to 100% <laughs> do that. Um, well, you know, obviously I think it's much more likely that he stays. That's always a thing that you want to, you know, give give sort of oh, like the... the so lame. <laughs> I, I don't think... I actually don't think he stays. Uh, perc- I, percentage chances, that's all I'm saying. I think if he were to go to the Knicks, so people crushed Carmelo Anthony for forcing a trade to the Knicks, for the Knicks to give up assets, to go there. But his intention was still to win, right? Like his intention was because the Knicks weren't that bad at that time and the belief was that they were going to get better. If Kevin Durant goes to the Knicks – the level of like horribleness that the Knicks are now, that would be I hope the criticism for that move would be at the level that it should be, right? Like it that is that is as big of a sellout move as you could possibly make at this point. Like, yes, I understand that there's an argument that if you put the Knicks have like a top three pick, Chris Tapp's Porzingis, um, <laughs> And Kevin Durant, then that's a nice base, and then you probably get another free agent somehow, and you can make a big trade and flip a couple of the other young guys into someone else. I I get the sort of machinations that could happen to make the Knicks a contender in that circumstance, but the Knicks are horrible, and the franchise is a joke, and if you go to the Knicks, you're you're selling out. It's that simple. You are selling out. You're, there's no other – There's no. It, it would be the most sellout move of any side of, kind of free agent signing that you could make. Come to the Nets. Wow. The Nets are this, this beautiful budding franchise that is doing it the right way, that is going to be in the playoffs, Brian, um, and that has a solid base, a really solid base that if KD, as Dinwiddie said, if KD was on the team, they would be Eastern Conference contenders. I mean, that's another pod for another day to where they would rank if they had Kevin Durant on their team. But if they had Kevin Durant on their team and Kawhi leaves Toronto and Boston continues to flounder and Jimmy Butler continues to destroy the 76ers, the Nets are the best team in the East, Brian. That's what I'll declare. All That's really, what I'm saying. All a really solid team. You better be careful. You're going to have busted for tampering over there, Mike. You're going to get busted. <laughs> um, um, you know who, though, who may be better than Kevin Durant? Go on. Travion Graham. Travion Graham. I saw you getting into it with somebody on Twitter about this, <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't know if you're being serious or not. That's the thing. This is, this is like, sort of, this is peak smeltsness right now, where I don't even, I can't even parse out. I don't think you can either. I gotta say, I'm, so I'm pretty not genuine on our Twitter feed at PK Glue Guys. If you want to follow it, but I gotta, say, I, I still, I don't know what it is. I like Travion Graham. Like, I, there's something. 
he seems to fit on the floor. I can't explain it. I have no rational explanation. I usually hate players who can't shoot at all. I usually hate, like, I hate to see them on the floor and just sucking up shots and ruining the offense. But there's something... He seems like he knows what he's doing defensively. He seems to be in the right place at the oh, right time. God. He's not taking bad awful. shots. This is awful. What is I know, this? I don't know what it is. What is this? I, I originally, like, in the, earlier in the season, I was not against him, but I didn't really want to see him on the floor because he was getting, you know, decent minutes. He's getting decent minutes again. Um, and he can't shoot. He's shooting, like, 17% from the field, which is insane. You know, like, and I understand he's coming back from injury and – you know, you have to kind of get into the shooting rhythm of things, but you're a professional basketball player, and you should know how to shoot better than 17% from the field. I don't know what it is. I just think there's some, there is something there. Like, he he doesn't seem like a disaster uh, to me. This is just me. That, I, this I, line I, of thinking is a disaster, but I, <laughs> I mean, I can... Here's the thing. I think trying to see through the, like... Very obvious, like, well, he just needs to come back from his injury stuff. Like, okay, sure. Um, here's here's what it, maybe you're picking up on is that there, you know, his mechanics look good. There is elements to the, the fact that the shots aren't falling is unfortunate, but seems possible that it's incidental just because of some other, you know, psychological, whatever it is, him coming back and playing minutes. Um, because, like, everything that he does... L- Although it misses terribly, um, I don't fault those decisions. I've never said, like, you know, outside of it not going in, it's like, okay, that's like, if you think you can do that, that's reasonable. And all of the mechanics of his shooting and, you know, anytime that he goes for anything else, it, it looks like it has the potential to work out um, and then <laughs> and then doesn't. So, and, doesn't. and maybe that's what you're picking up on is that there's a fluidity to his movement that suggests there's a possibility yes. that those will go in in the future. Though the numbers are very hard to justify at this point, <laughs> getting all those minutes, which reminds me of an email that we got from a listener. Oh, beautiful. Um, this is from Cheerboy Thomas Winner. Uh, great last name, Thomas, um, if it's your real name. Uh, fellows, I've watched a lot of bad Nets games over the years. In my opinion, this has been the most fun since Vince Carter's final season. Also, Lopez's rookie year. I'm really enjoying this last month, but there's one negative I can't get past. I cringe every time Travion Graham takes a shot. According to Basketball Reference, he's hit seven of his 40 field goal attempts this year. I must have stepped away from the screen for those seven made shots. I wonder if those numbers might be generous. I kind of felt the same way, too. I don't remember seeing him. Like, I don't remember a shot going in. Um, Anyways, he's in that. I I want him to succeed. Sorry, he, uh, I wanted to succeed and get the whole stretch, the floor thing, but it's time to give his minutes at the four to someone else. Who should that be? Do the Nets acquire help at the four at the deadline, or do they just roll with a healthy RHJ and Dudley? Who would you want to see play at the four next year? Thank you, Thomas. Really solid email. Really enjoyed it. Hit us back anytime. Perfect. Um, so who do we want to see at the four, right? Here's my likely scenario, and then, like, so here's, like, not the dream scenario, but this is, like, a, you know, a thought bubble that I could have. The likely scenario is that it's just going to be Rondé and Jared Dudley, and that when they're healthy, and then you're going to mix in, obviously, like, Rodion's Karuks is, you know, he's their power forward at times, so is Damari Carroll. So, like, those four players are all going to play the four at various times. I don't think they're going to trade for anyone. Um, but I did I did have one idea that, that like, 
that makes sense to me, and I don't know how much it makes sense to, like, really the other team in this equation. I mean, that's the problem is that, you know, I urge people to sort of look around at the teams that may be sellers and then try to find a power forward on one of those rosters that you'd actually want Um, because they're all pretty – like, power forward to me is the weakest position right now in the NBA. Most teams just shove a three down to a four, small ball four, of course. But then, like, that still doesn't really complete the equation. Um, So the one guy that I kind of like is bringing him back to the Nets is Derek Favors, Brian. Mm -hmm. I kind of – not majorly. I mean, so what his deal is, so he is a $19 million year deal this year, and then he has a team option next year, which would – for 19 million, which will be declined probably by the Jazz and 100% by the Nets, um, unless the Nets completely strike out of free agency or just like want to bring it back. The Jazz are better without favors, are better without favors on the floor when they have Gobert. Not that the Nets are like, the, he's a stretch floor in any way, but I could see something like, you know, that this is like the other interesting question is like, who. Who is who is tradable on this team that won't destroy the team? But like you could do like a Demare and something else for Derek Favors. You don't add any any money to your books next year. You have actually a declining contract that you could maybe I don't know if you could flip it at some point. I don't know when the declining date is. Favors would be a lot better as a power forward than most other players, and he could play five at times. Um, if you want to kind of mix him in the rotation of the Ed Davis, Jared Allen, Derek Favors. I don't love Derek Favors, but, like, he would be better than Travion Graham. I think that's a definitive statement. But, like, what's going to happen, Brian, is that, like, no one – they're not going to – unless there's something, like, really breaks, they're not making a trade for a four. I just don't – there's not a guy out there. It's not It's not there at no. this point. Um, the, the short-term solution is um, ramping up – even further, Kirk's minutes, um, which, I mean, <clears throat> he played 33 minutes against against Boston last night. Had a good game. Um, is is he young enough that you want to go for that 35 minutes? Is is he? <laughs> and I mean, it's the first time he did that up until that point. Was, you know, it's the first time he broke 30 minutes. I think him averaging around 33 minutes might be, you know, somewhat helpful. I don't know. Uh, I'm just looking for ways to like do a soft, a softer version of this than just like perma perma bench and Graham. Um, because as Mike says, there is something mineable there. Well, and it's like, it is shocking though that, not shocking, but that Fareed hasn't really even gotten a shot with all these injuries. Fareed still, like, he plays on back-to-backs when Atkinson's trying to, like, kind of throw the game, you know, or just he needs to put someone out there who hasn't played that much. Fareed should be getting minutes over Travion Graham, right? Like, I know Travion Graham could play, like, the the two, three, and four. Somehow he keeps playing the four. But, like, Fareed, maybe give him ten minutes. Let's just see. You know, yeah. give him a little time. I think this – Yeah, sorry, what? go ahead. Well, I think the issue with Graham is that he just came on, like, so much so fast. Like, he's averaging already 21 minutes a game. Like, he just came out of nowhere and started playing, like, so, so much. Um, yeah. And in the last, you know, three games, he's averaging almost 28 minutes. It's, a, you know, like, it took Rodion's career – months to get to that point and he's still playing like statistically in the last 10 games like around the same amount it's it's just so much gram so fast that i think is what's jarring for for the nets fandom it's a real gram cracker you know got him got him um but yeah so the solution is like 
know, like, you know, people have to come back. I mean, Rondé is going to eat up like a significant portion of those minutes, I guess. Is that like even really the solution that we ultimately want? Like, no, like we need a proper, like that's, that should be who we're getting for. Speaking of which, uh, I know somebody that's got an idea about um, what might be an interesting pursuit for, for that four. You want to hear? I want to hear. Your boy, Matt Parker, an absolute star in glue guys lore. Um, two things. One, I've come off as a D'Angelo hater, but I've always thought he had a ton of potential. And honestly, my biggest concern was always that he'd end up overpaid. If he keeps playing like this, that's not really an issue. So fingers crossed. Matt, it's not that you have come off as a D'Angelo hater. It's that you were a vehement D'Angelo hater <laughs> and a transparent <laughs> troll. And you're busted now. And now you're playing you're, you're playing catch-up, backpedaling your face off, and we all see you. Um, so busted. Number two, if we strike out on the big free agents this summer... How would you feel about going after your boy Blake Griffin? He's an injury concern, but the way he's playing, he's not really that overpaid, uh, though he might get there by the last year of his contract. He's only signed for three years after this one. The Pistons stink, and they might be willing to give up, uh, give him up for a couple protected firsts. If we time things right, we wouldn't even have to send any money back. We could just take him into our cap space. I think if you had Griffin to this roster, it's the top four or five team in the East, higher if one or two of Allen, Rodi, Karras, D'Angelo make a leap. Thoughts? So I was looking I was looking at uh, Blake Griffin possibility. Uh, just general thoughts is are, are no. Um, because I think that's like a return to the old ways for the Nets, unfortunately. I am the person that wanted J.R. Smith on the Nets, so I really can't. I'm not like the um, the person that should be delivering this message. But... Grabbing Blake Griffin would feel sort of like grabbing Kevin Garnett at the end of his career or just getting someone to, you know, it wouldn't be to sell tickets because he would help the Nets a lot. But sticking his contract into the Nets cap situation when cap space is still the biggest asset that the Nets have beyond their own draft picks, I'd rather have cap space potential not be as good with a shot at like making a really big trade for a guy who I really like as opposed to Blake Griffin who who would improve the team. I mean like I think people kind of forget how how really good Blake Griffin is. Uh, you know, I was actually running through who may be the Eastern Conference All-Stars because there's now talk that via the Nets Nation that D'Angelo Russell may be up for an All-Star spot, which I still think is pretty 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 fresh or like pretty Rich, it's fresh and rich, fresh and rich. But um, I don't know, man. I think I think Blake (laughs) two words that don't explain at all how you think about the situation. It's it's too much, basically. Ah, It's too much. Um, but what I mean, do you do you want Blake Griffin on this team with with his contract with the mega max deal that he has would that satisfy you that's that's not the so we should talk about this more broadly like a lot of these emails nets nation seems to be ready to talk about advancing our current roster just ever so slightly at the trade deadline to make a real push into this year's playoffs we're you know i don't know where you stand about this i'm not i'm not personally that interested in making any kind of trade i'll just put that out there and i know that a lot of a lot of the listeners don't like trade talk of any kind, you know, and then a lot <laughs> just love only trade talk. And, you know, it's hard to balance both of those things. So um, anyways, just wanted to put that out there as, as just like a, you know, trigger warning for the people that hate talking about trades. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I agree with your sort of sentiment that um, making a big, you know, throwing a, a, a giant name into the mix currently on this on this very like we, we've got this we, we've got something magical going on that's that's very breakable. You know, it's very fragile. So it's a it's just a baby bird. You know, and we want to nurture it. You know very purposefully and, and with a lot of care. And if we throw in, you know, a big, a giant meal, but giants, I don't know. I don't, the analogy is dead, but you get my point. If we throw in something too, <laughs> too big, it messes with the mojo a little bit and you have to take on like an ego, a guy that's been around forever and has been on winning teams and stuff. And there's certain expectations that come from all that. Uh, it's just, it's just a big ask of our internal mojo. You don't want to stress the mojo. Well, the, the only, so, the truly the only big name that I can really see fitting on the Nets in a perfect way, and he is likely available to be had, is Kevin Love. And because if you go through like just the rest of the NBA, Blake Griffin probably could be available, but I don't, I don't think – I mean, he does fit with the Nets, but he is such a massive contract where Kevin Love necessarily doesn't. Kevin Love is obviously a power forward. He also shoots threes. He comes from a winning team, even though this, the, the Cavs are horrible this year, even though they beat the Lakers, which is awesome. I lo- As much as I like to watch the Lakers, I love seeing their fall right now. Um, it's really, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it also because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a D'Angelo Russell stan, so I'm enjoying their fall. Um, Kevin Love is a, like, that is a possibility. His name hasn't been linked to anyone yet. His name has not been in trade rumors significantly, but it's known out there that that he is likely available to be had if a really good deal came along. Now, would the Nets have like you know what what could the Nets offer in that circumstance? Kevin Love is still valued enough where it's like you have to give you're gonna have to give something you don't want to give. You'd have to give your first round pick this year. Now, if the Nets are make the playoffs and that first round picks in the twenties. You know, and you have Kevin Love now on your team. Maybe you, you don't feel as bad about that. But Marks likely probably looks at his own history and says, I'd rather have a pick in the 20s because I've, <laughs> I've done such a good job drafting players already. Not that he'd rather have it than Kevin Love, but that he'd, he doesn't want to part with the first-round pick. Um, so you'd have to give up, like, I mean, gosh, so there's so many guys in this team I would deem untouchable. You know, Brian? It's like... Okay, so D'Angelo Russell could be traded, but the Cavs wouldn't want D'Angelo Russell. Jared Allen is basically not untradeable, but within reason untradeable, right? Like, mm-hmm. Karis Levert, basically untradeable. Spencer Dinwiddie is literally untradeable, as in he cannot be traded until this summer because of the contract extension that he signed. Um, Joe Harris is tradable, while very good, um, but I still think as valued as he is probably around the league, then it's value him even more and the Cavs would not value him at all uh so like it's like all these weird things Kevin Love is the one guy and I need to look up his injury at his at this moment I believe he's going to come back from his injury this season he is the guy that the Nets could attain that would both fit within their sort of the grand scheme of their long-term vision he fit within the hashtag culture and he would fill that fourth spot and then your starting lineup is D'Angelo, Levert, Joe Harris, or Alan Crabb, but hopefully it's Joe Harris, Kevin Love, and Jared Allen. That's a pretty nasty starting five going into the playoffs. If, you know if, 
if that's the move you're going to make. You know, it's a real interesting transformation is that, you know, the Nets in the last three years now have the evidence of our first system guys, which is basically guys that we could trade if we wanted to or more valuable on our team than anywhere else. Like you could trade Joe Harris, probably not going to be performing at the same level almost anywhere anywhere else that he gets right to, maybe with the exception of like Houston or something, you know, that's just sort of like is, right. is bought in on the same way. Um, it's just nice to see that we have our first system guys, you know? Well, and it's like the Celtics, despite their like current, I mean, they're still 25 and 18, despite having lost three games in a row. The Celtics, like at all, like the past five years, had developed guys like Avery Bradley, who once they left Jay Crowder, once they left the Celtics, they became worse, right? So the value of them were higher when they were with the Celtics. They were traded in some deal, and then they declined as an actual player, being away from the system. I, you're the Nets. The Nets have that now. I mean, but I, I think Joe Harris would translate mostly anywhere. But what would they? What? Um, not smart coaches would do would probably just make him a, a standstill shooter, right? Right. Turn him into yeah, Corver. Except now he's well, and I think this has been the same way since last year too. Is that he is he produces the most points per possession when the ball's in his hands in a pick and roll, something like that. Yeah, something crazy he's like a like legit that. playmaker. He can do like really interesting things that you know people report on now, but it's hidden from Penn um, Would do you want Kevin Love? Do I want? No, I don't want Kevin Love. <laughs> I don't know. Do you hear my cat? It's so annoying. Every time he uses the bathroom, and then he just does guttural moans for like fifteen minutes afterwards. It's, you know, I love it. it it's what we it all want to like, do, but he just really leans into it. You know, it feels like a Hey Arnold uh, type vibe you got going on <laughs> yeah, over there. Yeah. Um, moving along, it's your boy Alexis Reyes, aka uh, Guibo Splash at Guibo Splash. That's G U E Bo Splash Bo Splash. Anyways, check him out on Twitter. I'm sure it's great. Uh, listen to the pod every day, but never found the time to email some questions to spurn hot takes. Lol. Thanks for reaching out, Alexis. I love a first time, long time. Um, <laughs> moving on, my question is, who does our presumed most attractive trade piece, Damari Carroll, make sense to? What would a suitable return for him as a great six-player role look like? Um, so just quickly, that's, you know, we should just, like... I want to, instead of making the list of the untouchables, let's make a list of the expendables, you know, starring <laughs> Steve Austin. Um, so for me, it's not a very long list of people that I like really am <clears throat> like okay with parting with, you know, like fully am, am like, there's only five guys who I'd be like totally cool with at this, at this juncture. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Carol, Crab, Napier, Fareed. People are not going to like this, but Rondé Hollis Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the list, yeah. right? So that's yeah. that's and and they all have different tiers of tradeability, right? And I think basically the way that I've graded it out is like Carroll is an A minus, clearly a positive asset that helps clear money and is like just a you know super valuable trade asset just across the board for everybody involved. Um, Crab is like tough, right? It's sort of like I, I put him at a C minus. Um, extra year at eighteen million, eighteen point five million, be a pretty big coup if you could if you could get him off the books um, at not like a detriment. Um, Napier, good, like sort of the opposite problem, like pretty good, does what he does well, um, doesn't really make enough money to warrant an inclusion in any kind of meaningful trade um, at you know one two millions uh, over the next two years. So uh, you know, and people just don't stop stop that. 
can you listen to this guy? And Jay- what is that? What is <laughs> that's that? That's him. That's my cat, Magneto. That's your cat? Yeah. Can you believe that? That's because he just went to the bathroom. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he does. That's um, awesome. Anyway, so, like, and people just don't generally, like, make trades for backup point guards, like, with the express purpose of, we need to fill this backup point guard thing, and you can, like, pick those guys up off the wave or whatever. Um, Fareed, B, I gave him a B because the salary is good, um, but not really able to contribute in the modern game, blah, 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 as much as you would want him to, but he could be valuable somewhere on the right situation. I don't know. Like there's a, there's a place for him. I don't know what it is. Um, and then Rondé Hollis Jefferson, for me, very untradeable asset, difficult D plus, not because I don't like the way he plays. I just, just cause I don't think other teams would be able to max maximize his potential in the same way. They kind of know that he's a special bro, a very sweet man, <laughs> I, I don't think he's got a very good market and his contract also not easy to make to justify any of these potential trades. Does that, does that list in those grades, does that resonate with you? That, that all makes sense, you know? And like, even when you go through the list, like you, you put what Carol is an a minus, it's basically, he is the most difficult, but, but expendable asset on this team, just because he is thought of as a leader and he does play significant minutes. Yeah, he's the one and, you, you want to keep. That's why he's tra- you know, you would you, it would feel the hardest maybe tied just for sentimental reasons with Ronde, but it's the hardest to give up Carroll by far. He would have to be in a trade that actually that that does improve the team in a significant way. Um and like for for both like both him and Fareed are sort of a special case because they're both expiring contracts, they're both about the same amount of money around Fifteen million dollars a year. Fareed's like fourteen million, um, and the type of deal that the Nets could make in that circumstance would be if they traded the expiring of Fareed or Carroll for a, a player on a team that the team is not that good, like the Atlanta Hawks, and in a case like Kent Bazemore, where you're not only taking on the rest of this year, you're taking on all of his next year's salary too. So like that. Because like the Nets aren't, Fareed has no value to any team beyond the fact that he's an expiring at this point. Carroll does. Carroll has value to teams, but it's unlikely. Like you're not, the Nets aren't going to trade Damari Carroll to the Toronto Raptors. Like send him back to Toronto, right? And then put him in that. Like the only teams that like that are contending. Like I just don't think the Nets would send Damari to a contender unless if they for some reason got like a really sweet. Like a first round pick, which isn't going to happen. Um, but like, so my question is like, is it worth giving up cap space next year to really push this contention this year even further? Like, is it worth making yourself really not that much of a player in 2019 to compete, hopefully get into the playoffs, and then make that first round series a real competitive series? Is that worth it? Is that worth it to you to like to get to the playoffs, to give up free agency, but to get to the playoffs? Yeah, and also like <clears throat> further to that point is uh, like what what would a Damari Carroll free agency look like? I mean, uh, he's like been successfully rehabbed by the Nets. You know, he's I think like you know beginning he's still super productive, but like one would think this is the last sort of like you know mid to higher sort of range contract that he could get. Does it make sense to want to be the team that's sort of there to pick up that contract? I don't know. Like, um, I don't know how much, like, doing all that stuff make. Sorry, I'm getting a million. 
texts. Um, yeah. Anyways, so that's that's a little bit of my line of thinking. Like you know, I, I for one, again, to reiterate, I want to keep this team the way it is, humming along. But um, who, who's just like one team that the Damari Carroll thing makes sense to? Just one one team that it makes imminent sense for. One team that it makes sense for. Man, it's tough. Like I'm looking at the Western Conference because I just can't think about the way that the Nets would like. Like, I mean, he makes sense for a lot of Eastern Conference teams. Like, he really makes sense for Philly because they could use another guy like him on the roster. But th- why would the Nets make Philly better? He really makes sense, actually, for not for Boston, but, like, for Indiana. Like, I could see him fitting on Indiana really well. They could use another wing there because they have too many guards and they could use a wing. Like, you could do Aaron Holiday for Damari Carroll and you probably have to send back some more salary with the Pacers. But the Nets wouldn't do that. So it'd have to be... Some type of team in the West that is contending in some way. I mean, the Sac- everyone brings up the Sacramento Kings into every discussion about, you know, NBA trade deadline because they don't they're not gonna have the first round pick. They're desperate to make the playoffs. They're a contending team this year for the first time in really a long time. But what are you gonna get back from the Kings? Are you gonna get back like Willie Cauley Stein, who I think is also an expiring contract? And like what's the so you would need if the Nets give up Damari Carroll, they would need to get something of value. A second-round pick is not enough for Damari Carroll for the Nets. I mean, he may his value across the league may be a second-round pick, but for the Nets, a second-round pick won't be enough. Like, Shabazz Napier, I could see them flipping for a second-round pick and just saying, like, when Levert's back, Napier's not going to play all that much anyways. He's really an insurance policy for the insurance policy. Um, he's, like, a pretty deep backup at that point. And he does have value in the league. We might as well get a second round pick. Hopefully, we get another Rodion's Karuks with that second round pick, and we're we're back flying again with a development game. Uh, but like Carroll means so much to the team, mm-hmm. and the market for him won't match his value for the team. Sort of like what we talk about with Rondé. I just don't. I don't see it unless if it's again like some really out there Sean Marks deal that he's sniffing around that, like, no one else really knows about, um, that, like, there's a team that you don't think that are sellers that are actually sellers. Like, again, I looked at Detroit. I really wish there was another good player on their team beyond Blake because they should be sellers, but they just don't have anyone on the team of value beyond Blake Griffin. And you're not – the Nets aren't trading for Blake Griffin, you know? It's just not happening. Next big question, second part of Alexis Reyes. Uh, if you were Sean Marks on the heel of D'Lo, great game yesterday. What extension? Uh, what extension contract would you offer D'Lo? So didn't he got his after his big game last month? Um, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so this goes into like a m- million questions about D'Angelo Russell's um, contract. <clears throat> so it seems like there's a consensus in Nets land about not wanting to give him the max, um, but. You know he's on a pretty. He's he's playing his his face off right now, and it's going to be pretty hard to justify not doing that if he continues to do this for you know the rest of the season, which obviously remains to be seen. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's in a tough. It's in a very tough spot because now we're just beginning to see the consistency that we've yearned for for so long, um, and it's just at the very last minute where we're about to have to make a very important decision about the future of this franchise. Yeah, and I would like, so 
if we sort of talked about this three weeks ago, which I'm sure we did, three or four weeks ago, like about the trade value guys that are expendable, you know, that you maybe get something for, like D'Lo probably would have been on my list, right? Because at that point he was he was producing, but he wasn't super consistent. He was not closing out games. Um, he closed out the Celtics game and actually had a, a turnover at the end of the game that you could tell Atkinson was like furious about. Um, but he couldn't go to Dinwiddie at that point because Dinwiddie had gotten a technical at the end of the game, which is insane. Um, so, like, is D'Lo going to get the max? Yeah, I mean, it, oh, gosh, that is such a hard question, right? Like, yes, as you said, like, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, if this is this level of consistency, if it continues, he would be worth it um, because he is so young and he is producing at such a high level. I doubt that he's going to continue to produce at this level. Um, are you, what are you, what a I'm, hater? Are you hating right now? I'm hating a little bit. Oh you know, hater. hater alert. What seems reasonable to me is likely the Victor Oladipo type deal, which is 21 a year for, I think, Oladipo signed it for like a five-year deal, four or five-year deal. Um, that seems correct in terms of that, like, there's going to be a lot of teams with cap space. D'Angelo Russell is going to come out of this season looking better than he did two years ago being traded to the Nets. He will look, you know, he would probably have led the Nets to the playoffs. He would be the best player on the team while leading the Nets to the playoffs. Um, He's still not peak what he should be. He's still bad defensively, but offensively is a chance, you know, he's like a, you know, he's a chance to be, um, you know, a top, uh, 16 guard I don't know in the league offensively probably better than that he probably is already that so like Oladipo got 21 million a year I think for over four years okay so that I, I could see D'Lo getting that um, pretty reliably like you go up further than that you're getting kind of into Drew Holiday territory which was which I think Holiday signed the max at the time when he did and that's like 25 million dollars a year or something like that 26 do the Nets want to do that? I don't think they do. Like, I think there's a cutoff. I think they will have a cutoff. I don't think they'll match anything in terms of – he's not well, – he is a restricted free agent, I believe, right? I think D'Lo is. I don't think the, Net, the Nets are going to match anything. I don't think that's the way Marks is going to operate. I think he's going to have a number, and if D'Lo goes over that number in terms of salary, they may say goodbye, again, unless D'Angelo Russell, like – continues just to kick ass like he has been doing the past few weeks mm. um it's a tough one it's, tough, it's a man. tough one you got it just needs more data we need more data points that's that we gotta luckily we have enough time to to, to show to, me, it for a to bit. me that's a big that is a bigger question than anything else over this franchise and that's not like a crazy thing to say right mm. like that like what they do with d'angelo russell because they could justifiably walk away from d'angelo russell and say all we really gave up for him is some salary cap space in timothy mozgov's contract and we gave up one year of Brooke Lopez and a late first-round pick, which, of course, ends up being Kyle Kuzma. But we gave up a late first, one year of Brooke, and some salary cap space to take on two years of D'Angelo. If he walks away, doesn't like it's not, there's not a crater that is left. But if you, know, if you do let him walk away, you know, that – I don't know. The only way they let him walk, I think, is if the number is so large that they're turned off or if they really believe that they're going to get, like, Kawhi or Kevin Durant and they have to let D'Angelo walk because of that. That's the only that's the only scenario where he 
he does walk because you would. Why would you not want him on your team if he's at like a semi reasonable number? Mm. Um, next up, your boy Ryan Blake. This is a quick one. I don't know how it happens, but I need Aaron Gordon on the Nets more than air. <laughs> uh, what's, what's your guys' take on that? Um, I would want that too. It's there doesn't seem to be an obvious route. Yeah, for that. the the ma- ma- the magic magic are too good right now. Um, like they're they're one one game out of the eighth seed at the moment. I would I you know I would love Aaron Gordon and he would be fantastic. But like, th- so that's what's also weird about this trade scenario because like there's too many guys that are just resigned with their team and you don't think they're going to be traded. And then there's too many guys whose contracts are expiring. There's something like I think there's an insane number of percentage of the league that whose contract ends this year. And so it's just going to – there's not that many guys to trade for. You could trade for expirings, but the Nets already have that and how much better those expirings going to make them. Um, but, yeah, give me Aaron Gordon. That's Aaron Gordon's a discussion to have in the offseason. Like if the Nets do make the playoffs and the Magic don't, Aaron Gordon's that, a discussion to have then. Yeah, and this just cap, capping off our trade – trade talk or trade pod yeah uh which became that way this is what you know this is what nets fans are are sending our way so what are we supposed to do it was trade deadline man we have we had to do it true boy this is like what matters true boy kwame lewis uh it's looking all but inevitable that the nets clinch the seventh or eighth seed questions about playoff push trades are getting louder you said it kwame but with so many injured guys possibly making a comeback later down the season should we especially when a second round playoff appearance would feel like a real victory um, so we're getting Karis LeVert back. I mean, people, a bunch of people asked when Karis is coming back as if we have any inside info, but the latest was, I forget who reported, it was, I think, Wodge linked to somebody saying it was coming after shortly after the All-Star break. Um, no, yeah, no, Karis told me it's tomorrow, so he's going to play tomorrow. Um, breaking, breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so that, you know, it's the classic. It's going to be written in every piece. Karis LeVert is like adding a trade asset, right? I mean, he's going to be added back to the rotation and back playing basketball for the Nets when they really need him. Um, but, like, we kind of talked about this, Brett. Like, do you – is is this success that the Nets are having, is it worth uh, somewhat giving up, like, your future flexibility to continue this playoff push? Is that worth it to you? No, I think what already it is, like, making the playoffs, we have to enjoy that success first. Like – I think people are obviously eager to make noise and hashtag, you know, whatever. Uh, but, like, let's let's really just take a, an evaluation of seeing where we thought we were going to be and where we currently are in the season. Uh, it's been a rousing success. We're way outperforming um, many of the projections of where we should be at this point. Um, I think we really need to just, like, chill out, enjoy the fact that we're probably going to make the playoffs, it looks very good. Like, you know, I, I, I'd i be – something would have gone very wrong if that doesn't happen. Um, and, like, take take that W to the bank into the next season, you know. doesn't seem to be the time to shake things up. Enjoy the what would be a huge victory, you know. People are always trying to compound the victories in, you know, short term. We just got to enjoy that one. I think that's a perfect way to end the pod, Bri. I love oh. it. Um, thanks to everybody else who emailed. Sorry we couldn't get to you. There's a bunch of you guys. Um, that's not to say we don't love you. Is there enough crossover? Not enough time. Not enough time in the world. But shout-outs to uh, all of you guys, and we'll get to you next time. Keep those emails coming in. We love them. We need them. Not as much um, as iTunes reviews, though. 
Thank you for listening. We'll have a pod in your ears as soon as possible. Or if something crazy does happen, we'll do an emergency pod and be right at you very, very soon. Wow, Brian. All business, Mike. You got somewhere to be. You got, you're like Big Daddy right now. You got somewhere to be. Brian. <laughs> um, are you signing off? I got I to gotta make some crispy tofu and shishito peppers wow. for dinner. So I got to go. Hey, I'm making tofu, too. We we're a couple of soy boys signing off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Yeah!